It's always good to be in the house of the Lord. And I wanted to give you a little bit of introduction here on where we're at, at now. We're in chapter 16, and we will read the first 12 verses. In chapter 15, we have that uh, Jesus had, was rightly given us an understanding of what it means to worship God and all His beauty, to worship God by tradition or to worship God by His commands as laid out in His Word. Jesus tells us in 15.7, direct and to the point, He says, You hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy about you by saying, These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as the doctrines, the precepts of men. So Jesus is telling us as this thing continues on from 15, it, it continues on through 16. It's the matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart and what comes out of it. It's a matter of approaching God with a true heart that has been changed by the power of God. It's the matter of looking upon the glory of God and all His splendor that our hearts may melt in His presence. Again in Matthew fifteen eighteen it said, But these things that came out of the mouth come out of the mouth come from the heart. Those things defile a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, acts of adultery, other immoral sexual acts, thefts, false testimonies, slanderous statements. It's not what you eat. We see that it's what we take in and what is given back out that by the word of our testimony, by the way that we respond to things, by the way that the world sees us by our lips, also by our actions, right, is, is highly important that we be not just people of outward appearance, but the people of a heart of Christ. That we may look upon Him and, and ask ourselves as we go through this, as Jesus is showing great compassion on the people, Healing the Canaanitish woman's uh, uh, daughter from the demons. Healing many in verse 30. And doing a great work of feeding the 4,000. Now the 5,000, more of a Jewish population. Now he's over here in a more, more mainly a Gentile population. But that's highly important because you're going to see something here in just a minute. That Jesus, even in the heat of times, in the heat of... Uh, summers with everything runs out, Jesus is able to satisfy in all our needs. When we come to this all-satisfying Lord, He even blesses above and beyond what is needed. We are fully satisfied in Christ as that is a reality in our life. And all of this is coming through as we get to 39 of chapter 15. We see that sending them away, the crowds, Jesus goes into the boat and he came to the region of Magadan. So 
This is a more of a Jewish population here. And a, a terrifying part in this very sense because when we get down to verse 4, he says, here, he left them and went away. And I hope your soul trembles at this thought of Jesus abandoning these people. That Jesus is leaving them to that reprobate mind. This is the end of the Jewish population, uh, the ministry, right? And the part of a sense of invitation to rest beyond this point is under condemnation. There's no more invitation given in the book to them. It is under condemnation from this point on. As I was going through this, I'm thinking about that very mark of being left behind, being left to our sin, being left to ourselves. What a horrifying thought. What a horrifying thought. May our very souls tremble at the thought of this not so much for yourself because if you're in the kingdom of God you know that you belong to Christ and he will never leave you nor forsake you but if you're playing the religious game and refuse to humble yourself before God is the terrifying part so it goes over to the western shore it is believed, as uh, many of the commentators that I read <clears throat> could not give a, a precise area where this was at. And so we see that it's also called Magdala. And also believed that Mary Magdalene came out from this town and is known to be a, a city of uh, salting fish, factories for salting fish, or fish tower, something to that effect. But we notice in this first verse that we get to as we get to verse 1 that when he gets out on the shores of Mag Magadan, when he gets out, when he steps out, he is in Jewish territory. And so we look at the Pharisees and Sadducees, we see in verse 1. So let me give you the title Reminded me of a song, but that's not really what I had on my mind when I titled it. Is signs, signs everywhere are signs. We have the written word of God in our hands. We have the the, the, the heavens declare the glory of God. We see that we have a a coming to Christ falsely. A sign in the sky, a sign of condemnation. And we see coming to Christ truly as ones that are a sign of caution, meaning of how to handle this false doctrine that is vitally important that we don't take in. But we do see they had little faith. And we see the, uh, some humor in there as well when we see they forgot again to bring bread. But the question that we have is, the Sadducees and the Sadducees. This is not two groups coming. This is one group coming. These are two people that, uh, two groups of people that really hate each other with really 
just with deep, deep compassion on what they believed. They both believed they were children of God. They both believed that they were doing the right thing. They both believed and were sincere in what they were doing, but they were sincerely wrong because they could not say or see who Christ was. But one thing they did do, which we have seen in this past year, is that two groups of people can really hate each other, but they can put that aside for a common hatred, a common hatred of truth, a common hatred of Jesus Christ. And this is what they have when they come to uh, verse 1. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees came up. I mean, just as soon as he touched ground, just as soon as he put his hand, his foot on the ground, they were there uh, to challenge him, to look upon him, and to uh, discredit everything in their question. They came up, they had the wrong approach of coming to Christ. They challenge him, they throw out everything else he's already done by all the miracles, which did come from the heavens, as far as the food, it came from heaven, as Moses. And so neither one of them, whether they... Uh, or uh, believe in all the books of the Bible, uh, meaning the Old Testament, or, you know, or just the book of Moses, while they are attacking each other, they see a squirrel. And they're able to throw that. I mean, you can see them just actually choking each other, the squirrel, and they go running after this right here. Why? Because they have a common hatred for the truth of who God is. Now, I'm not calling Jesus a squirrel, but I'm talking about man's hatred to be able to come together, and one common goal is destroy the truth. And they, we see that this was a false coming, a wrong kind of approach to come to Christ, to ask Him of a sign. We see the Pharisees and Sadducees came to Him testing Him, basically demanding Him that they would ask Him to show Him a sign from heaven. One of the things to understand the emphasis that uh, uh, Mark puts out that the Pharisees are the ones speaking here. The Pharisees had a superstition of the devil could do miracles on earth, right? But only God could do miracles from heaven. And so that's why they asked in that particular way that you would give us a sign from heaven. And even if Jesus did, they wouldn't believe as it is written. Why? Because we've already seen that they're blind. They're dead in sin. Even if the sign was given to them, they wouldn't be able to see it. We have all the sign that we need in the Bible right now. And even the heavens declare His glory. This is good. It's terrifying. Ben and Chris like to pick on me when I speak about the holiness of God in a good way, healthy way. Like, uh, be afraid. Be very afraid in a holy and righteous way. Honor God in all His glory and all His splendor. We see that what can happen is that we can have a right view of God and come to Him wrongly. A right view as our people tell us it's the right view, but we're not searching the Scripture out ourselves. So they're coming with challenging questions, demanding Christ. When we come to Christ, we're not demanding anything. When we come to Christ, He has shown us our sin. We're pleading to Him. Lord, sh sh show me your mercy. And the sign of that is that He has changed you from within. And we'll see that as the disciples continue to follow Him. 
Even they don't understand sometimes. And so we see that they are able to, thank you, are able to look upon their religion and find comfort there, and they come and attack Jesus. And we see that in attacking him, they lose it. They're mocking him in the questioning, in his questioning. In verse 2, And I may also add that in asking this right here, they are wanting him to fail. They're not wanting him to see. They're not asking the question for him to, to succeed. They're asking the question to, to, uh, that he may fail, that he may be destroyed. And so they can say, aha, you can't do it. This is not from heaven. It's not of God. But he doesn't play that. He doesn't fall for their tricks. And, and you see that a lot of times in the Word of God, God doesn't give us what we think that we ought to see. He gives us what we need. Amen? He gives us what we need or not. So we see in verse 2, and he replied, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, there will be a storm today, for the sky is red and threatening. Do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky, but cannot discern the signs of the times? You mean to tell me that you can see the sky and all the splendor and tell whether it's going to rain or not, but now you can't even tell when it's the time for the Messiah to walk the earth? You can't even tell when John 1, 1, in the beginning was God? And the Word was with him, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, that Jesus Christ took on the veil of flesh and walking upon the earth. You can't even tell the signs of the time. You have the Bible. There's some parts of it, but you still have the Bible. And you cannot tell. And so the sign given is denied. The sign from the sky will not be so for them because Jesus is not a puppet. He has nothing to prove to you or to me, but it's the mercy of God that the things that he does show us into our generation, he shows us through his word. Through his word. That's how important the word of God should be to us as we have been going through Psalm 119 and it's just been bringing that home on every corner in every side in every direction how important it is to have the word of God written upon your hearts that you may not sin against him now think about their hatred and there Jesus is telling them that you could you could tell all these things but you cannot tell that the signs of the times is me walking before you but you can't tell that but you can tell the obvious. Now, there's a lot of people that can unpack a lot of things from atoms to, I mean, all kind of stuff can be done here, and, but yet they cannot tell that they need Christ. They cannot tell the times that are here is that how much they need Christ, how much they need to recognize. There's people in this congregation can build a lot of things, calculate a lot of things. Right, but that'll profit you nothing when you are not able to calculate or look upon and uh, unpack who God is in your life and in your heart and who He is. It's the mercy of 
God that any man comes to him. It's the mercy of God that he, he comes and gives us the Bible. It, it, here, you want a sign? It's right here in front of us. Here's our sign. Amen. Here is our sign. It is enough. But yet, you hear all the time, if God would just move the mountain two foot to the right, I would believe Him. If God would just strike me dead right now, I would believe Him. We have all kind of awful things that we compare that to. Or the unconverted man. Our sign is that our sin has found us out. Our sign is that we have been found out. Our sign is that, oh Lord, I need Christ. I need Him more than I need anything. I make much of Him more than I do anything. And whatsoever I do, I do unto the glory of God. But He addresses these people that are hardened, they're blind, stubborn, willfully sinning, while the devil is helping them to sin, while you have the sovereignty of God over all of this. And what is the, Jesus continues, verse 4. An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. And a sign will not be given except the sign of Jonah. We see a sign rejected. We see Jesus is not using nice wording as we would say in our day. Do we call people evil? Do we call them a, you evil and adulterous generation? I'm telling you, that's the generation we're in now. The mess that's going on right here is just trying to get uh, the, the male and female uh, in a neutral zone to where they're not either one when they're born. Uh, compromising the birth certificate, don't know if you're a it when you get here. I mean, it's just horrible. It's worse than that. But if you remember all the uprisings that we had this past year for the one common thread of hatred, hatred on every side, they were able to get together and petition and show forth more hatred. The only thing that poured out of their hearts was more hatred. They burned down cities. They murdered people. It's all. I mean, I mean, this is a perfect example of what we're seeing. This is the signs of the time. Amen. And said the evil and adulterous generation seek after a sign. See, they, they've already seen the sign. The Pharisees have seen the signs. They heard about the signs, all the miracles that he did. How much more do we need to come to Christ? How much more can the Word of God be convinced to be true? We know the last 2,000 years of church history and so on and so forth, we stand before God without an excuse. But we also see that they seek after a sign that they really don't want and a sign that's been rejected. But they already had a sign. A sign in a prophetic view of Jonah was as a picture of Christ's death and resurrection. And we see that they had that sign, but they could not recognize who Christ is. 
at this time. They was already given a sign right before him. A greater than Jonah is here. This is predicting his death and resurrection. And I, and I say, just, just thinking about that, we went and orchestrate this in this way to get people to live a right life. We went and we, a man didn't write the Bible. You know why? Because we just wouldn't have written it that way. We would be, there would be no anger, no, no wrath or anything like that. It would be a one-sided God, a lopsided God. He would be unholy because he couldn't be holy and, and work out who we want him to be. But I want you to pay close attention in this last sign of condemnation. I tell you as we get started that this is the last time of invitation. This is the last time he will invite in scriptures that we have going forward from 16. The rest will be condemnation. But as I looked at this word here for he left them and went away. He left them. He left them. He abandoned them. He gave them over to their way of thinking. What a terrifying thought. If you're here and have a, a whole lot of religion, but not Christ, this is where you should be trembling. He left them. In Mark chapter 8, it says, Jesus sighed the sign deeply. We read these words and it doesn't seem to mean much to us at times. I left the jail today. And I'll just say this, just like the Pharisees are doing here. There was a gentleman in there that hated everything that was being said in the Scriptures today. And I was pleading with him, don't, don't let God walk away from you. Cling to Him. Call upon Him. Don't leave me, Lord. Are you praying for you? Are you weeping for the lost at all? We see this Christ, and He's given him 16 chapters to come to Him. And finally, He leaves them to themselves. And He turns away and goes away. And from this point on, He will be ministering to His disciples. But He left Him. He left them there. He abandoned them. He said no more. What a terrifying, terrifying thought. For the last time he left them. For their willful, sinful, satanic blindness, deadness, he left them. May this not be you today. We see in Scripture that God is not playing games. 
He's given you all the reason this day and all the times that you've been in church, all the time that you've been here. These two ladies, when I pulled up, were picking up trash on our side of the street. I went and spoke to them. And I spoke to them in the sense that the, ro the road is right here and you're so near death. So near death. They kind of smirked at it, and I gave them a track anyway. We don't even... The lost and the dead of sin don't even recognize how close we are to this. But those that have been redeemed by the power of God they have the sign of truly coming to Christ. We see that truly coming to Christ, we see that the first part we had, that falsely coming to Christ, asking a sign of disbelief, right? And then we have the other verse that talk about the, the sign of condemnation, which we just touched on and now we have the sign of truly coming to Christ. Being a disciple of Christ doesn't mean you know it all. Matter of fact, if you know it all, be afraid. Amen? Because there's nobody here that knows it all, but there's a continuation that's taking place right here. We're knowing more. We're knowing, knowing more of Christ all the time. The disciples came in verse 5 to the other side of the sea, but they had forgotten to bring bread. We kind of snicker at that after all the times before they still forget to bring bread. They may have been so excited looking at all the miracles that took place and the miracles again of feeding the 4,000 or the 10 to 15,000 or even 20,000 including women and children. They may have been so excited about that. That would probably be me. I'd be so excited about all the miracles that I was watching, hands coming back, arms and everything else, people walking, people, uh, all these, just one after the other, as emphasizing the scripture, there's just one healing after the other right here. But did you notice that you could get wrapped up in that and forget where you're at? Verse 6, he says, And Jesus said to them, Watch out. Now this is a warning to all of us. Watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they began to discuss among themselves, saying, He said that because we did not bring any bread. Jesus, aware of this, you men of little faith. See, that's not an insult. Because if you have a little faith, it's a God-given faith, and that little faith of a God-given faith is going to be growing. God doesn't do a part of a work, throw you in, uh, give you a little bit of faith, and you're on your own. Amen? He gives you the ability, He gives you the hunger uh, to go after Him more and more all the time. You are, a you are a disciple. You're supposed to have a teachable spirit, do you? If we're a disciple of Christ, we are supposed to be a teachable people. Even when it hurts. We are to remember and to guard ourselves, as saying here. 
Jesus, aware of this in verse 8, You men of little faith, why discuss among yourselves that you have no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets full you picked up? Or the seven loaves and the 4,000 and how many large baskets full you picked up? How easily at times we forget that we are children of God. How easily at times we forget that we serve the God that's on the throne, the Adonai, the Sovereign One. When all are complaining and fussing and questioning God, some good, some bad, right? But having this little faith, he says to remember the signs, remember the Bible, remember the Word of God that He's given us, that you are supposed to be writing upon your hearts, that you don't sin against Him. Remember the Word of God and all the fulfillments of it, amen? This is the exciting part of it all. You are a child of God, whatever measure of faith you have. But it's not going to stay there. Because He that began a work will finish it. So we are to have a correct understanding we also understand that the disciples at this time they continue to follow him he that endureth until the end the same shall be saved do you believe that what an insult to the work of Christ saying that you're in charge that's an insult because if you're in charge you're going to mess it up you work with the Holy Spirit yes but if you're in charge and you can lose your salvation. You just insulted all the glorious signs of Christ. Amen. All the work that was done in completion, in fulfillment, all the works of Christ. You've just insulted His ability. Now you have to get on the cross to complete it. That's nonsense. But this should cause us to, to look up to Him, look unto Him. Even though we are, we, they misunderstood, they still had a teachable spirit. Can you be taught? Are you a Pharisee or a Sadducee? Then you know it all. Be afraid of that. We walk humbly before God because we don't know it all. And as we continue to walk with Christ, He continues to humble us. He continues to see, show us our need of Him and His great mercy and who He is. But He gives a us an understanding. And what is the understanding? Well, at first they didn't get the leaven that leveleth the whole lump. A little leaven, just a little bit, a little false doctrine damages much. So don't think that you can handle it, because you can't. A little of this, just a little sprinkle affects the whole loaf, the whole person, the whole thought of who Christ is. It affects everything. So it's not okay to leave your TV on while Joyce Meyer's playing on there and all her uh, falseness and whoever else you want to play, whoever else you want to put there, whether the Osteens of the world. I, I'm okay with calling them out because I'm telling you, they are liars. But the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, the Bible is not. In the Bible, we have a holy, holy, Holy God. And He does not change who He is for us. But sometimes He brings us all the strength out of us 
that we may see our weakness, that we may cling to him even more. A religion, as the Pharisee and the Sadducee, they don't need Christ. They could do it themselves. Any work-based religion is a false religion. But when you come to Christ and understand who he is, Lord, I need more of you. Lord, I'm so weak. I'm so weak in my discipline, my prayer time, my devotion to my love is too low, Lord. My view of you is too low, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me. Guard me. Help me to guard myself of any false doctrine. Help us, Lord, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit that we may see our need. Help us to turn it off, whether it be on the radio, whether it be on the TV. Turn it off if it's given false doctrine. And as we grow, the Holy Spirit would be, as continue to grow in us, I mean, not the Holy Spirit, but teaching us, growing us, we are to beware of the teaching of the legalistic group that's out there. Uh, Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. He does have a wonderful plan for my life to come. Amen? He has a glorious plan for my life to come. He has a holy and glorious to see Him in all His splendor. That is our life to come. We're passing through. We're pilgrims here. Some of us may not make it home. I'm not asking for that by any means, but when we think about who Christ is, it's our graduation. It's not a bad thing. It's a glorious thing. This is what we're here for. So I tell you, as we come to a close here, signs, everywhere are signs. Everywhere we have signs. And right now we have a sign whether or not we're false disciples or true disciples. As we examine ourselves, what is it that we love? The rules of the Bible? Well, the Christ of the Bible that causes us to want to do his rules. It's, a, it's from a have to to a want to. But your want to should be so strong, you have to be, be obedient unto your Christ. It's not going to gain our salvation. It's going to uh, show that we have a salvation. Check out your love right now, your, your, your uh, meter of love for Christ. What is it you love more than anything right now? Or who is it you love more than anything right now? Uh, how is that level? Way down here and everything. He's kind of secondary. And I put him on a shelf when I go out during the day. And then when I come back, and take him back off the shelf and use him again there. Or does he go with you? Well, spiritually speaking, he goes with you. But when we come and... Look to Christ. We come in the right way to honor Him and to live a life separated unto Him. We don't need another sign. We have one, and it's all in one volume, the 66 books that we have. 
None outside. We don't need those. They, we have teaching health, and that's used. We use commentaries all the time. But when we look upon this Christ, the question is, and we look upon this, did your heart break when you thought, just the thought of Christ leaving them to themselves? Do you know somebody like that? That is so hard-headed in their religion, so stubborn in their religion, it's going to take an act of God? Well, he did the same thing with you. Amen? Have you wept for him? Have you wept for him? Have you wept? Lord, I, I don't want you to turn away from them. Lord, I want them to be saved. I want them to be forgiven. I want them to know the God that I know. Have you wept for them at all? Well, that's the mark of a disciple. You're not looking for a sign. You have all the signs you need. How many signs do you need to come to Christ? What is it going to take for you to come to Christ? It's going to be the sign of a new heart. Sign of your sin, a new heart given. And that will be the sign that you come to Him at all. Because as we stand before God right now, we're either guilty or not guilty. Those that have been robed in the righteousness of this greater than Jonah, we will be found not guilty. Amen. Amen. So we do have a couple questions here. What do you need more than the Bible? As far as a sign. What, do you, what kind of sign do you need today? Are you waiting on a sign? Have you looked in your Bible? So we have signs of falsely coming to Christ, the signs in the sky, the signs of condemnation, the signs of coming, truly coming to Christ, a sign of caution, a sign of just a little bit of faith, a sign those who are blessed that believe without seeing, physically seeing Him. We see Him in His Word. So I challenge you today as we come to a close that you would look upon this Christ and be satisfied in the times that are here. Be satisfied in the Bible that is given that you may humble yourself before Him and seek Him. Be teachable. You, you hear that? Be teachable. Do you have a teachable spirit? That's a sign of a disciple. Sign of religion, you don't need any of that. Let us pray. Father, as we come before you today, that we may examine ourselves, Lord, and the scripture that you have laid out for us. We know that mentioning that one verse that you left them, from this point on, there will be no invitation given to them, but condemnation. Who came to our mind that that may fit them 
who came there, Lord. Everyone in here has somebody on their mind that they're not careful. They don't turn. They don't look to see their need of you. You'll give them over to their reprobate mind and also they will stand without an excuse. But uh, as a disciple of Christ, Lord, have we wept for their soul? Have we wept? Have we prayed for them? Truly prayed for them that you would do that work, Lord, that only you can do. As we are disciples of yours and you continue to teach us each week, each day as we seek your face, we pray, Lord, that you would give us the increase of wisdom and knowledge and understanding of you, that we may think highly of you, Lord, that we may think properly of you, that we may wear the robe of righteousness that our King, our Master, our God gave us in such a way, Lord, that the world may see Christ in us. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.